0: And now, today, the mindset of a prepared warrior, which didn't look like that just a few seconds ago, I'm just saying. I want to put this in your head, though. Remember the cognitive behavioral therapy thing that I talked about several weeks ago and before that as well? So there's a slide up behind me where you'll see another diagram someone else designed. It's the next slide, Jim. And basically the idea is the same idea. If you get your thinking... Corrected, then your feelings will be more in line with what they should be, which helps you modify your behavior. And then they all work together. Just want to have that in your head because every single time that I preach, that's what I'm attempting to do. I think that's what Jesus did and what I'm supposed to do. So the idea is that from the time Jesus began preaching, he preached, repent. So that word you see come up behind me, and that means I change my mind. So I think all of us here are Christians, and we already know how we're supposed to be following God's word. This is our guidebook for life, but that doesn't necessarily mean that any of us have it all figured out, (laughs) at least as far as I'm concerned, I'm always learning, and I'm always learning that I need to learn more. It seems like the more I know about God's word, the more... I know I need to know more. I don't know enough. And it seems like it'll be a never-ending thing. So we're all learning. But hopefully we're all doing that thing where we're thinking, once we come across Scripture and we learn something new, I change my mind, which then helps us with our feelings and then modifying our behaviors. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump right into the text today. Look how it begins. Finally... That's the way it starts. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, that's interesting that it starts with finally, because all this time we've been watching, Paul has been building, and he kept, keeps saying things like therefore, and he's building and building and building, and then we get to a part where he starts with finally. Does it sound like he's been trying to arrive to this? It does to me. So he says, finally, Okay. Let me tell you something I've been waiting to tell you. This is this is going to be good, I think, because it's coming from Paul. We've been building to this, and it's scripture. So I imagine if you were in the first church and you're getting a letter and you hear the word come up in your language, finally, you're probably going. To, if you weren't paying attention, that might be the time to go. What? And I've got different colors on the screen behind me. You can see the first word I have in a different color is strong. It says, "Be strong." I want to talk about that for a moment. I looked up the Greek for all of these words, and I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything for you. And actually, the word is dunamis. Remember that story I told a while back? You can look it up yourself. If you've heard of Alfred Nobel, he's the guy that invented the boards that we use to make that right there, plywood. He's the guy that accidentally invented what he ultimately named dynamite. And he named it because Scripture used it to describe the power of God that we have as Christians, as we are empowered. So that's the translation, empowered. So if you want to say it more literally what the Greek, like what the Greek says, finally be empowered. And if you really want to get super practical, finally be dynamite. I like that, don't you? Like, whoa. I'm a Christian. I can say that. Be dynamite. It's what I want to be. It's what you want to be. We want to utilize the Holy Spirit to have this explosive power of God within us. There we go. Finally, be dynamite in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And that part might be a little confusing confusing because strength, might, aren't they the same thing? Well, let's go ahead and clarify because God wouldn't put it there if just for the sake of redundancy there would be a reason. So let's look at strength. And this is Webster's, one of Webster's dictionary definitions. The ability to resist being moved or broken by a force. I like that. So finally, be dynamite in the Lord. And in your ability to resist being moved or broken by a force of his might. And Webster's... Dictionary definition. There's several definitions, but this is the one that fits the most. The power, energy, or intensity of which one is capable. What is God capable of? Everything. I mean, anything he wants. He's our sovereign Lord. So finally, be dynamite in the Lord and the ability to, in your ability to resist being moved or broken by a force utilizing the power, energy, or intensity of which God is capable. That's a big verse for having so few words, but we threw a bunch in. That's pretty cool. Finally, I want to tell you this, but he's not done there, obviously. That's the start of this chunk. What I would like to do now is go ahead and move to the next verse, and I'm going to give you a personal story. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So I realize that right now, um, actually, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and use Anthony. You're going to have to let go of your wife's hand for a moment. I'm going to use you up here on the stage in front of everybody. Can you do that? All right. He has no idea. You can tell he has no idea that I'm going to do this. Are you sore? I'm a little bit. Okay. I'm good. Are you really sore? I'm good. Okay. Okay. If I hurt him. It's my fault, I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, All right. So, so he's just standing normal like normal people stand, okay? Is your back out? I'm okay. He's pretty stable. Now, I'm gonna push you, push you harder, are you ready? All right. Okay, now do you, know what a, do you know how to stand in a martial arts stance or a boxer's stance? Not okay, really so no. put this foot a little bit behind, there you go, that'll work, yeah. A little bit further. And point those toes out just a little bit. Okay, okay so now you feel more stable? Yeah. Bend your knees a little bit? Okay. okay. Did I push you as hard as I just pushed you? About. Okay, I'm gonna push him harder. He didn't go anywhere that last time, and I pushed him significantly harder than I ever pushed him the other times, but I could push him around. Now I can't. I'm done with you. Okay. Are you injured? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay, so. I was planning on using a teenager, but there's not one in the room that I can use. So, that I, at least not that I know of. So, what I wanted to highlight to you is that you're supposed to be able to, finally, you're supposed to do all these things to be strong in the Lord. You're supposed to put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. You want to be able to stand. Now, he knew where I was going to push him each time. And, the first couple times, not as stable, but definitely the last couple times, very stable because he was standing differently. This is what God wants us to do all of the time, spiritually speaking. And in martial arts and in boxing, you learn how to stand so that if you get clocked when you're not expecting it, you don't fall over just because you're standing improperly. That's the way it works. Spiritually speaking, You need to position yourself in such a way that when the devil comes at you, even when you don't know it's coming, you're still able to stand. That's what this is about, and this is a very personal verse to me. This verse uh, was personal because in high school, my testimony includes uh, getting to know Christ after I had been through a lot of physical problems. And I remember... Uh, One of the ways I became president of the Christian club on campus, which had never had more than seven in their club because all of them were officers. You you all get in the club and you all get to be officers. I got to be the president of the club by telling them I'd like to change the the night. We were Knights for Christ. And they had like a cartoon guy smiling and like, smile if you love Jesus. He was in a knight's uniform and it looked real cute. But I thought, this doesn't work for me. So I drew a a knight, I penciled it, and I had a guy guy on one knee and a sword up in the air and a shield with a cross on it. And he looked like he was praying, but looking up to God with his sword pointed to the air. And I ended up, it's a longer story, but I ended up being the president of the club. And it became the biggest club on campus and all by the grace of God. But this is a personal verse to me. We made t-shirts and we put that verse, that became our theme. And we even used it as football games wanting to beat the other teams because so many people had these t-shirts and they looked tough. So that's what we used. And God wants us, when we see this verse, to have similar kinds of thoughts because he wants us to be prepared to be a warrior. Now, let me show you a picture. This is, if you Google, you'll see something like this. See, there's a warrior. It's got all of the descriptions of the things we're going to go over here in Ephesians chapter 6. It's a, it's a vivid description of how we're supposed to prepare ourselves. But I must tell you that we live in a world where we have... Are you kidding me? I don't think I have all of my notes. We're going to fly with this. We're, we live in a world where we have demonized warriors... We've demonized law enforcement. We've demonized any. We've demonized men, actually, in a lot of ways, and I am one. Uh, but we've demonized this whole idea that anybody could, even churches. We've demonized this idea that anybody could be a Christian, and, and be a warrior. How can you do that? This this is actually a thing. I don't know if you've caught this, but we've definitely made it. A crazy world in which we think the church is supposed to be passive in all things. We're supposed to just passively take it, just take it. We've got a misunderstanding of what God's concept is, so I want to help you maybe change your minds. Cognitive behavior therapy going on right now, hopefully. So I'd like to take you to a passage that's very familiar to me, and I go to it a lot. I love spending time in the Psalms. There's 150. If you've never done daily devotions, that is a great place to start, and then to go back and do it again and again and again. Because if you read, what I like to do is read one Psalm. If you journal, you can write the name, Psalm 1, write the date. In the morning when you wake up, read the Psalm, one chapter. And then write your prayer out to God, fill up a page or two and just go through and do that. And that'll take you through 150 days, but something will jump out at you. You'll begin to relate to David, the stuff he went through. He just pours himself out there in these Psalms and God inspired him to do this so that we could understand, Hey, you know, we're not alone. Other people have been through this and David's going through a time where he feels like everybody is against him and that God's not even hearing his prayers, not necessarily hearing, but he's not doing anything. He's in a position where he's, he's praying in such a way it's like, why, why aren't you doing something? I keep praying. That's, that's, that's the feel you get when you get about chapter 6. And in chapter 7, there is a passage that really jumps out. Here it is in Psalm chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. So people who have this idea that God is a passive God and the New Testament God is a God that's always passive. He doesn't have this. He would never be for wars. He would never be for any type of violence. God's not like that. This picture of God is very different. So in other words, David's praying. And if you can imagine, God is sharpening his sword saying to David, What did you say? Tell me more. He's getting ready. And then he's getting his fiery arrows ready, which was the weapon of mass destruction of their days. You shoot the fiery arrows over the walls and you're doing destruction inside. This is God describing himself, inspiring David to describe him this way. That's a very clear picture of a warrior type God who wants to take care of business. There used to be a song we sang a lot. Some of you know it, probably all of you. I'm going to go ahead and not sing it. I'm going to read it to you. Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war. Is this familiar to anybody? With the cross of Jesus going on before, Christ the royal master leads against the foe, forward into battle, see his banner go. This idea of being warriors ready for battle is a very Christian idea. God set this up all through the Old Testament. You know there's a lot of wars, and he was very good at setting things up for his success. But I know we have this thing in the, in the churches. We regularly, especially independent Christian churches and churches of Christ, they fought over music style and worship style. There's even funny memes flying around right now that are, that are kind of funny um, about uh, repetitive new songs that repeat themselves over and over again. And, but there's been... A lot of friction in the churches where we've got hymn books hidden around the corner over there. Just so you know, if we have a power failure, we can revert. But for now, we sing off the wall. (laughs) Uh, I love saying it that way. But there's a lot of... um, I've been through this. I, I spent 18 years at a church fighting a battle on a regular basis. Why do we have a traditional service? Because as far as I know, we were the only one in town that did, we, that had traditional and contemporary. And the reason why we did is because we had so many that that was special to them. They cut their teeth on those hymns. And so that's the way it was designed. We had a service completely designed around their spiritual needs. And I, and I know that it's a good idea that we all get with the times and we understand the music is not about us. It's about, it's about what God likes. That's what we need to be focused on. But at the same time, there are younger generations that make fun of the older generations and say, well, we do praise songs, or we do worship songs, y'all do just hymns. And they kind of put them down. That's not okay. Because a lot of these old hymns have the doctrine right. And a lot of these people that cling to them, they're clinging to them because they know this. And the church has done what it's not supposed to do in some ways, we've actually patterned ourselves after the world instead of trying to pattern ourselves after God's design. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. So the picture of God is of a warrior. Have you not read Revelation? Have you seen the picture that is painted of Christ riding on this horse and sword coming out of his mouth? Is a mighty warrior. I'll stop with all that because we're going to have it in our text. Ephesians chapter 6, pick up with verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." I love this passage. For one thing, it's very connected to part of my history. I spent a lot of time and energy over the years um, helping people get out of a very dark cult in Yelm, Washington. And if you do much Google search with my name, you'll see I'm in the mix of all that because I helped about 400 of them get out of that. This this present darkness, there's a book named that. Did you know that? Yeah. And, and I've been told, not by the author, but I've been told that Frank Peretti told other people that that was based on this cult and Yelm. so that's interesting. But understand something: if you haven't thought about this, you need to think about this. Everything can be reduced down to everything is a spiritual battle. You can really, and, it, and if you want to talk about private things, that you want to talk about private matters, you say, "How can this?" Talk to me. I'll be glad. Everything can you can see it is, is a spiritual battle. That's what all of this life is all about. We got physical stuff we got to go through, but it's all a spiritual battle. Now, some people think this way, win the battle, lose the war. Now, actually, they don't think it through. What they instead do is they want to win this battle and they don't realize it's causing them to lose the war. It might be a husband and wife who get into a heated discussion. And the husband or wife decides they are going to win this argument. And then their spouse doesn't talk to them for a long time after that. Win the battle, lose the war. We don't want that. There's a lot of times things happen in our relationships with other people. We have to think differently. We need to think in a way that pleases our Lord because everything's a spiritual battle. How about this? Lose the battle, win the war. Wouldn't that be better if we could learn to say, it's okay if I lose this battle, if ultimately, spiritually speaking, we win the war? to, To make that a little bit more clear, maybe sometime you could follow James 119 and just simply keep your mouth closed. And it might look like you lost the battle see if you do the other if you decide that jerk at work i'm going to put her or him in his place somebody needed to tell him off and it had to be me and it just might happen just before they are about ready to stop being so mean and say can i talk to you what is it about you that makes you different than everybody else but you go ahead and chew them out and that'll never happen you lose the war does that make sense Lose the battle, win the war. That's a better way to think about things and a good warrior understands that. If you've studied much about battles, you know that sometimes you have to lose this battle and lose that battle in order to plan for the big win over here, which is the, the overall win. Sometimes that's the way it has to play out, and it's a spiritual battle. I want to help you out. I don't want to leave it vague. I don't want to leave it some out, floating out there in some philosophical realm where you don't really understand how this applies. So I want to give you a tool, and when I give you this tool, I want you to understand this can be used against other people, so don't. This is your tool to learn how you can prioritize. This is not a tool for you to learn how to tell other people what their priorities need to be. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm going to throw up here one of my favorite Mormons charts. I redrew it for you, but... If you've ever been through the seven habits of highly effective leaders, you've probably seen a chart like this. It's called quadrants. I call it priorities quadrants. Uh, Some people call it a time management quadrants. It doesn't matter. It's quadrants divided into four. If it doesn't, um, maybe it looks and sounds familiar, but it's not like, okay, what what was that again? I'll explain. So you've got four boxes that you can categorize things into as far as far as priorities. And it can work like this. You see where it's important and not important and urgent and not, imp- not urgent. Some people actually don't understand the difference, even probably here in this room. Uh, it's not that confusing if you kind of grab a hold of it. Urgency has to do with time more than uh, importance does. If you're driving down the road and you see something, but you're in the middle of an important conversation that you need to get talked through but you're driving by and you see something, that, that thing you see is urgent because you see it and you're going to pass it. And if you don't say something, you can't talk about it, but you're in a, an important conversation. Do um, you see the difference in the two things? Okay. However, <laughs> if, you, if you see something that's about to cause an accident, that becomes urgent and important so that you understand the distinction. The only thing that typically belongs in important and urgent I'm gonna give you what that is in a minute but you know most people think everything goes in urgent and important pops in my head it's got to fly out of my mouth I got to tell you now or I'll forget that's what people think that's what they think they have to do so the husband's in the garage working on the transmission The transmission he just takes off the last bolt and, it's, and it almost falls on his face and he catches it just as he catches it and he's got to wiggle out from underneath and his wife opens the door because something's been stewing, and she says, We need to talk. And he says, Not now. Well, ho, 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 I'm not important. Well, wait. The transmission falling on his face could cause you to never have a conversation with him. So, see, that's urgent. Your conversation's important, but it can wait a few seconds. But she didn't hear, I have an urgency. She heard, I'm not important. Same thing. Let's say that. She's a far better cook than his mother ever could be. I know that's not really true, but maybe she is. And she's cooking and, and it, she's browning it just right, and something's bothering him. And it finally, he turns around the corner and says, Hey, we need to talk. And she's like getting it just perfect. She says, Wait. You know what he hears? I'm not important. Well, your food's about to be burned. Do you want that? I mean, think about it urgent and important. Everything doesn't go into urgent and important. What does go there? Well, usually things that require a 911 phone call. And if you live your life thinking everything goes there, you're living your life constantly stressed and you don't have to be. You're doing that to you because you think everything is important and everything is urgent. It all goes there because whatever I'm thinking has to happen right now, got to be talked about right now, all of that right in quadrant number one. No, you're stressing yourself and everybody around you don't. So if you can live your life in such a way that I don't want to spend my time dialing 911 all the time or living my life like what it should. Do you know people like this? They're just constantly in a panic over everything that doesn't matter. So don't, don't put things in there. And I can also tell you another box you shouldn't put very many things in and that, you know which one that is, right? The one that's not important and not urgent. Things really, don't, don't spend a lot of energy on that. That's things like junk mail. That's okay. Just throw it away. Junk mail. You don't have to open it if you know it's junk mail. But what goes into the urgent but not important would be things that have to be done now so that we don't end up with a 911 call. What goes into the not urgent but important, those are things that can wait but must be handled. And I re- you know what happens when I say these things? People just all of a sudden their brains go, "No, oh, I don't know how to do that." What in the world? It's so foreign because they like this sp- they're used to spending, I should say, so much time in a crisis. If you want to have some of your anxiety diminish, you want to have some of your stress diminish, stop Making everything urgent and important—it's it, not. Now, I need to explain the piece I said earlier. The piece that I said you're not—you don't use this to tell somebody else what their priorities are, because this is where couples can get in a lot of trouble. You heard what the preacher said about the quadrant thing. You know what you're doing right now is nine one one. You're doing that. Don't, don't. This is your with the way you prioritize you. The preacher can say those things, and you can get nudged, but. At home, you better be careful. You can explain each, your own priorities. I can explain to Stephanie my priorities. She can explain to me her priorities, but I can't make hers mine, and she can't, can't make mine hers. We're different people. We're married, and we work things through, but this will help you if you try. Okay. Let's move on in the text. Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 13, therefore, there he goes again. You know, what's the therefore, therefore? Because he just said some things. So we're connecting them. So how are you going to do this? Take up the whole armor of God. He's going to give us piece by piece the different ways we can do that. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Here we go. Verse 14, stand, therefore. Are you hearing that word a lot, stand You understand why I had Anthony up here? Because it's important. We've got to be prepared to deal with whatever the devil's going to throw at us, whatever angle. And so here we go. Having fastened on the belt of truth. This is uncomfortable. I know I said that last week too, but this is uncomfortable because Christians, the truth is... If if we're not going to be all about the truth... We lose our momentum. We lose our ability to evangelize other people. And right now, we live in a time where it's almost assumed that all Christians are Republicans, or all Republicans are Christians, or if you're a Christian, you've got to only support Republicans. This is, this is just where we live. I'm just saying that's where we are. And I got to tell you, That's just one example. Be careful because you want to win the war, not the little battles. You don't have to win the argument with your friend about the masks. If they don't know Jesus, that's more important that they get to know Jesus. Let me tell you about the masks. You all know, I think, I have a mask on me. I put it on if somebody thinks that, or if I think that it might be bothersome to somebody else at the carnival tonight. I'm going to encourage all the people that are working here, please put your masks on. If people from the public come, we don't want to get in trouble. But I did get a phone call last weekend while I was here. I got a call saying, you may have come in contact with someone who's been uh, diagnosed with COVID. So they told me who that was so that I could tell them, did I?" I? Well, I was never closer than six feet away for more than 15 minutes, and we both were masked the whole time. And this professional said to me, doesn't matter. You got to wear an M95. So I asked, then why are we wearing these other masks if they don't matter? (laughs) So you understand I've got a little bit of skepticism about the effectiveness of the masks, getting a phone call like that. But if I know somebody who doesn't know Jesus... I don't care about winning that argument about the masks as much as I do about loving them to Christ. Does that make sense to you? I have an opinion, but that's not as important as about as them getting to know Christ. Someday, I imagine myself standing before God, and Him saying to me, "Hey, Pastor, you look uh, three or four people back behind you. You see that person? They came to your church that one time. You remember that? They were searching." I imagine interacting with people and God saying, You see that person in line behind you? They they won in too. And what did you do? I want to win the the war, not the little battles. I hope that makes sense to you. And by the way, there is a there is a big (laughs) in my mind there's a spiritual thing going on even with all of that stuff too, and that's that's worth talking about. But in our text we'll continue. The truth, the belt of truth. Christians, if we get caught up in something and it turns out to not be true what we're standing for, it makes everything else we stand for look false. We've got to be about the truth. Be careful what you say you believe and be very careful. There's a you, Tomorrow morning, you probably wake up and find out there's another new conspiracy. Don't Don't jump on every conspiracy that's out there. Be careful, stay off of social media as much as you can and don't believe what you see on the news anymore. Uh, and just because you do a Google search doesn't mean you researched. You might want to look at the actual source material because it's hard to know who to trust anymore. But you can not trust God's word and we've got to be about the truth. Be very careful. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness was, is essentially staying close to God, knowing God, living for God. You live for him. You have a right relationship with, With Jesus. That's an important thing. Even in today's world of our modern day warriors, if they're going to have armor on, you can bet they will be protected across here. And how do we do that? Stay right with God. You want to protect your vital organs spiritually speaking? Better make sure you're close to God. It continues. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, I know I'm, I'm speaking to the choir. I, I know this. But there are times when people, when they know, you know, church, 1030, or maybe I'm going to Sunday school at 930. Um, it's not feeling it. I'm not feeling it today. Let me tell you something. When you don't feel it, that Sunday that you don't feel it is that it almost works without fail. That's the Sunday that somebody shows up, that their family's been praying for them for so long, or their neighbors, or their coworkers, and then the perfect people for them to meet in church didn't feel it that morning. They weren't there. And they come, and they go. And we never see them again. That, that Sunday morning where you're just not feeling it, doesn't just impact you. This is talking about you put on your shoes to be ready for whatever's coming. You get ready for the battles. Be prepared, whether you feel it or not. Be ready for the battle. Put on shoes that are ready. You need to be ready. I'm not feeling It doesn't matter if you're not feeling it. Be ready. The devil is going to attack whether you're ready or not. You understand this, right? It's a spiritual battle. So, and when you get to that point, it's like, I just don't feel like, I just don't feel like doing it today. The devil may have already won that little battle right there. And if you aren't careful, he he might win the war. So be ready. And, And don't miss the part about the gospel of peace, because that is true. If you know Christ, you will have peace that the world can't know. I wish I had more time to talk about that piece because Jesus did say in Matthew 10 and other places, I do not suppose that I came to bring peace, but a sword. There's more about that you can learn on your own. Uh, Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. There are times when it is very hard to keep going, when, when there is a death that's close to you. When there is a lingering survival, when you're wondering, I don't know if you've ever been at somebody's bedside, when they say to you, why am I still here as they struggle through life's pains? It's hard to hear. And you might be going through something like that where you're watching somebody else struggle and you can't do anything. That's hard. And sometimes you might even question, what is God doing here? We don't know. He's a sovereign Lord. He knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. We don't always, we're not always clued into all the details, but this is when faith is required and you need to, it says very clearly, take up the shield of faith because that's going to protect you when these weapons of mass destruction, uh, weapons of mass destruction are coming at you, that faith will help keep you grounded. And not only that, it can thwart the attacks of the evil one and even takes out some of his weapons. That's what it means by extinguishing the flaming darts of the evil one. And notice it says all of them. You can wipe out the attacks of the devil. I love that thought, don't you? I love the thought of flaming arrows coming at me and my faith extinguishes them. What you got now? (laughs) I love that. Okay. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, don't, don't miss that. The helmet of salvation, that's a piece that one of the most important things in a church is to understand what salvation is. And it's important to understand how you get it. Um, that's why it's important to us that we teach what the Bible says about salvation. If you're right with God, you are saved by the grace of God. That will protect your mind and everything else about you and then the sword of the spirit which is the word of God he took the time to explain oh this is the word of God so arm yourselves with this most of you know me you are very seldom ever going to find me where I am not armed hey I'm armed wait a minute that's I told you it was funnier than you might have thought got some more I've got a few. I'm well-armed today, just so you know. This is Spanish. I don't know how well that's going to help me, but I can hand it to somebody. Oh, there's some more. There's another one. Wait a minute. I think I have some more. Every now and then I feel it. Oh, there's another one. I have. Oh, yeah, there's that one. You never heard of this, probably. You ever heard of the cotton patch version of the Bible? Deep South, it's it's hilarious when you hear about communion referred to as biscuits. Okay. Oh wait, well, <laughs> there's another cotton patch version right there. Oh, this. there we go. Greek. I'm uh, I'm kind of armed today, well armed. Usually I'm. What's this one? Oh yeah, another cotton patch. Uh, version oh yeah there's another one and another one I could have wore pants with extra pockets today oh there's another one okay am I done all right I think I'm done I got a few Bibles there I, I'm gonna just thought that would be hilarious but I want to tell you something when in when God's word is talking about this when it specifically says that you're supposed to have the sword of the spirit which is the Word of God, it's not talking about carrying around a bunch of Bibles. It's not talking about what I just did. I mean, it's cool to be able to do that, but I'd be uncomfortable driving with all those in my pockets. I can tell you that. It's not about this printed product. It's about knowing the Word of God. I'm sure you don't take your Bible everywhere you go. And there could be times when you need it. One of the other prison epistles, tells us, prison epistles tells us we are supposed to memorize. You're supposed to know it. I mean, if this is the word of God, if this really is the word of God, then you can't get any wiser than anything in here. So why wouldn't we want to know it? Because on my own, I can't be wiser than this. So why not know more of this? Then I can be wiser. I'll have God's wisdom. That's what we want to do. So it's not about just having the paper product available. It's about knowing the word of God. Because soldiers of Christ, if you don't know it, and and by the way, we can't memorize the whole book. Well, I say that. I've known some people that I think maybe did because they knew so much. It's hard to memorize all of it. I would memorize the parts you know you need, especially learn more, memorize as much as you can, and especially don't forget to know the coordinates. It's one of the most painless things to watch. Somebody say, well, it says it somewhere in the Bible. Where's your proof? It's not, not a very good soldier tactic right there. It's so much better if you're having a talk with somebody, you say, well, um, here, that's what it says, right, right? That's what I believe, right there. Now, in my opinion, that's just what it says. You think, is that more effective? And if you can just quote it, even better. All right. So now the preacher is going to wing it. If you'll just jump to the next slide, because I don't know what we're, what's coming up. I apparently... Lost my paper in one of my pockets with the Bibles. I don't know. Can you click to the next slide there, Jim? Oh, you did? Okay, then. Thanks, Jim. Praying at all times. You know what he's going to do? He's got an extra set of notes, and now he's going to fly by the seat of his pants. Thank you, Jim. Now I know what I'm doing. Most of you didn't know that he writes these messages. I just preach them. So if there's any complaints, you can write your letters (laughs) to Jim. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. He's always doing behind-the-scenes stuff, by the way. Praying at all times in the Spirit. I love that line. Praying at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication, it's like pray, 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 all together. But I want to take you to another passage. And that is you know what hold on be patient just a minute Jim can you jump ahead two slides please there you go now see the top line that's in Greek the second line that's in Greek if I were to ask you the question now each separation in the Greek words is a separation of words. So the top line has three, and the second line has two. And when you ask, what's the shortest verse in the Bible, most people are thinking the, the verse with the, the least amount of words. And I don't know what you mean when you ask that, or what you think, but that first one is from John eleven thirty five. 35, that first Greek one, and that is... Uh, that's a definite article, ha, which could be that O in the middle. It's a, it can be the or A. It's a definite article. It doesn't, we don't actually translate it. We just usually don't drop it down. But that is, wept Jesus. And then, then there's the the or the A in the middle that we don't use in our language like that. But, you know, the verse we hear, the shortest verse in the English Bible is Jesus wept. Well... That's true in the shortest verses in the English Bible. If you're only talking about uh, number of letters in the Greek, it would be true as well. But if you're talking about number of words, the shortest verse in the Bible is the second one. And that is the Greek translation for 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. It's just two words. That means we're supposed to, Christians are always supposed to be praying all the time. You're driving down the road, and you think of that person in church that you think so fondly of. You saw him in church Sunday morning, like ah, oh, they just they 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 came to mind. You pray, yeah. don't just think about them. Pray, God, I thank you for that person in my life. You know, somebody calls you on the phone, you talk to them. When you get off the phone, say a prayer for them. Why not? Thank you for that conversation, Lord. Bless them. You know, whatever it is you can think of, pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Just a little caveat. If you're one that has to close your eyes when you pray, please don't pray while you drive. I'm just saying that would not be, uh, not be wise. Okay, Jim, if you could go back to that slide that we just were at. Actually, I think it automatically does that. If you'll click ahead, we'll be fine. <clears throat> not letting you? Okay, I'll read ahead. So, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And that's an interesting little phrase there. Keep alert with all perseverance means you're supposed to stay on guard. Be prepared. Looking around, you know the devil's always trying to attack. So, keep alert, but do it with perseverance Meaning, don't be caught off guard. You've got to stay alert. I, I don't know, in the prison environment, I got to tell you, it's not very comforting when you go to a an officer who's supposed to be watching an area and he or she is asleep. It not, does not feel very comforting or calming or safe. Christians, spiritually speaking, we need to be persevering in how we stay alert. Making supplication for all the saints. That whole phrase is all about prayer. Did you catch that? Saints, simply another word for Christians. And also for me, he's making it personal now, and we do a little bit more of this next week also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which i am an ambassador in chains that i may declare it boldly as i ought to speak this is paul and he's asking give me the words give me the boldness pray that i have that he's in prison for his boldness and he's asking others to pray for his boldness you see how that works. All of the stuff that we're able to accomplish here on this earth for the glory of God is by the grace of God. So pray for it so that God will give you that. We rely on his strength so that we can be strong. That's the way it works. Okay, I want to wrap it up by showing you this image because I don't want you to lose the idea that we are supposed to be battle-ready warriors. Spiritually speaking, Christians, wrap your head around that. We can do this. No matter what's going on in this crazy world, we have a God. I've read the book of Revelation and I know the end and so do you. We win. So, stay engaged. Be prepared. Put on the whole armor. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity to get together and to be encouraged by your word. Help us to change our minds when we need to. Help us to be the battle-ready warriors you want us to be. And may we be effective in loving others to you. In Jesus' name, amen.